0: What does the Pulitzer, the NPPA, and National Geographic all have in common? That they're a part of the credentials of this week's guests on the podcast. Welcome to the long roll. This week, you'll notice that we're doing something a little bit different with the podcast. We're actually bringing you a webinar that the Eddie Adams workshop hosted earlier this year to help students piece together their portfolios in time to be able to submit their best work for this year's workshop. Now this information, I think across the board is beneficial to everyone, which is why we wanna showcase it. So let's go ahead and introduce who we'll have here today. We'll have a host, Benny Davis. He was an Air Force photographer 20 years, shot one of the world's most iconic photos of the only real world ejection uh, photograph from an aircraft that wasn't through training. We have Mary Calvert, who is a Pulitzer finalist. We have Achille Ramseys, director of the NPPA. We have Elizabeth Christ, who was the senior photo editor for the National Geographic for over 20 years, and Sarah Lean, the very first female director of photography for National Geographic magazine, and the founder of the Visual Thinking Collective. So sit back, grab a snack, relax, put those headphones in, and just enjoy the experience. Oh, and one last thing. There's actually going to be two versions of this podcast up this week. There's going to be just the audio file for those that are driving on a road trip that need to be able to focus on those around them. And we also have a video version up for you to be able to enjoy as well for those sitting in the airport on those long trips, need those simple distractions. This is for you.
1: And we're off. And as you see, uh, ladies, the attendees are already starting to come in. So uh, if you see any names, please shout them out. Uh, And everybody that is coming in, please feel free uh, to uh, jump on that chat and tell us where you're coming from. All right. Oh, man.
2: Wow. (laughs) Nice. This
1: is going and going and going. Yeah, A lot of people. Hello, everyone. Hello. Right, I'm saying we're getting more and more. So we're, we're going up by 50, like every few seconds. So uh, I will say <laughs> uh, hello to everyone. And please feel free to jump in the chat and tell us where you're where you're coming in from.
2: I see Ada. Ada, you came before. <laughs> Why are
3: you here tonight? <laughs>
1: hey, there's no such thing as okay. yeah getting too much knowledge, Elizabeth.
3: Uh, all right.
1: <laughs> who, who knows?
3: Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, man. And Lopez.
1: Yeah. Going through the
3: list. Lee the Barcio, how
1: you doing? Greg, hi. <laughs> Is are <laughs> in the chat?
3: Let's
1: see there. Nice. Now I want to oh, make. Oh, Janique
2: part- was here. Wow, people from last Greg? year are
4: tuning yeah. in. Quite a number. Was it hundred? No, how many registered for this pre-registered? Oh,
1: uh, reg- pre-registered. We had over. We we have five over five hundred. Um, you know, right now oh. we're sitting at uh, 108 attendees, but a lot of folks uh, registered so that way that they would get the link and they can watch it on their own time.
2: Oh, hi, Raquel. I see you.
5: I hope there's this some there. Francisco state people in there.
1: Now, are you guys, I'm not seeing anybody in here uh, jumping on to the chat. Are, um, are we able to, the chat is disabled for all the attendees, Oh. Okay, so is the Q&A disabled for all the attendees, uh, Miriam? So we have Miriam, the yeah. producer of the workshop, Eddie Adams' workshop's in the background right now working. Uh, she's going to feed us that information.
3: Now for questions.
1: Yeah, People for are the putting stuff yeah. in, the,
3: in, the, in the Q&A.
1: Oh, Q&A is already blowing up. There, I just have yeah. open. Oh it's my mostly
3: goodness. saying the chat's disabled.
1: Okay, sorry, guys. So <laughs> chat is disabled. I tried to see where all of you guys are coming from, but uh, that's my bad. Um, so to start it off, we got about 120 folks in here, and uh, we're two minutes past the hour so first and foremost we want to thank you uh, from the EAW family, we want to thank you for joining us here tonight for this webinar on submitting a portfolio. Uh, little ground rules for tonight's uh, conversation well chats disabled so you're going to be providing all of your questions inside the Q and a and we're going to go through and have a chat ourselves uh, on a couple questions that we got beforehand that we pulled out. And then you guys will try to hit on some of your questions as we're hitting a certain topic, or it will, we'll get to them at the end as many questions as we can get through. So And uh, yes, the chat is disabled for today, so we use um, use it just for us, okay. I got you, Miriam. And uh, so yeah, feel free to go ahead and start putting your questions into the Q and A and uh, I will get started on introducing everybody that we have here in the chat with us or in the in the webinar with us. So again, my name is Benny Davis. Um, I'm representing the Eddie Adams Workshop and uh, we have a fine panel this evening of some EAW family. Um, I've got first up on my list is uh, Mary Calvert. Uh, Mary has received the W. Jean Smith Memorial Fund Fellowship, won the Robert Kennedy Journalism twice, won the Leica Women's Photo Project Award this year, and is a three-time Pulitzer Prize nominated finalist in feature photography. Amazing, Barry, And congratulations on your recent like award.
5: Thank congratulations. you. Yay. Thanks so much. Thank
1: Next you. up, we have Akili Ramseys, who's the director of the MPPA and previously spent years in newsrooms from the Los Angeles Times, Associated Press, Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the Mercury News, and the Orlando Sentinel, my hometown newspaper. So that's my, <laughs> that's my go-to favorite. So thank you for being here, Akili. Up next, Elizabeth Chris is a senior photo editor or was a senior photo editor with the National Geographic magazine for over 20 years is in a founding and is a founding member of the Visual Thinking Collective. And last but not least, we have Sarah Lean who is the first female director of photography for National Geographic magazine and the founder of the Visual Thinking Collective and all EAW family members. So ladies, thank you so much for being here with us tonight.
5: My pleasure.
0: So first
1: and foremost, uh, just to uh, to step into uh, these questions in this talk, I'm going to ask you all, um, why is it important to apply to the Eddie Adams workshop? And uh, Mary, if I can have you, I've got Mary, I've got you up first, so I'm going to pick on you first. Okay. uh, (laughs) uh, why should you uh, apply to the Eddie?
5: you know, it's a great experience. And that's that's the main reason to apply. Um, You know, you'll meet people you never would have met you'll be pushed in ways you haven't been pushed. If you've uh, never worked for a paper or done an assignment, it's a really great way to experience um, what it's like to work with an editor, um, to feel the pressure of, of working hard and getting really great feedback and to show your work around to everybody. Um, it's just a, a really, really valuable experience. And also, you know, Just the process of applying it forces you to actually look at your pictures put a portfolio together and kind of take stock of what you have and what you're what you're interested in, because I think when you start looking at your pictures you're going to start to see. um, The better pictures are things that you were interested in and and so that's kind of a, a good way to get to know yourself and to start to develop a style.
1: Thank you. Elizabeth. Why well,
2: is it... I do think, you know, on the one hand, it's a way of connecting with editors on a really human level. You get to hang out together just as people. Uh, but for me, the really the most important reason to apply is that I think a lot of people who come to the workshop end up staying very intimately connected with a group of uh, st- other students that they meet there, especially people on their team. It's just kind of a camaraderie and a friendship that you will treasure your whole life, basically.
1: Keeley?
4: Uh I echo Mary and Elizabeth, but I think it also helps to focus you on what it is you really wanna get out of uh, this career. Where, I think it helps sharpen your um, interests and makes you really kind of drill down. What's your uh, weakness and what are your strengths? And um, but like the other says, I think one of the greatest part about it is the networking and the relationships you build that do last forever and help each other out through your through your career. So.
3: Um, well, I uh, ditto on everything that everybody has said. Uh, all so important. Um, I'd only add that, well, I think this workshop is really a unique workshop. It's uh, like four days of really intense intensity, intensely uh, working on your assignment. seeing all everybody and creating these relationships uh, there's a lot of fun you stay up really really late you don't get <laughs> a lot of sleep uh but and you and this then the bonding that happens um, on your team as well as the other people you meet and and the when you do the evening portfolio reviews and you get to meet people who are coming in just to see you and your work um, looking for new photographers it's just so much opportunity and it's it's a crazy short amount of time. I'm always amazed by what how much gets done and how much uh, the amazing photos people take, even when that's only just like maybe one third or one fourth of what we're doing. So yeah, it's really special. There's really nothing else quite like it. And it's in a beautiful place. Oh my God, it's so gorgeous. Yeah,
2: yeah. I also think that some of the speakers are just amazing. Yes. And that I know many of the students are just inspired for years yes. afterwards, You know, seeing someone like Mary you know, talk about her work, so. Yeah,
3: that's true. It's like, I didn't even think to mention all that, but there's so much just crammed into everybody's heads in those four <laughs> days, you know, yeah. it takes a while to process it all. But yeah, it's yeah. pretty special.
5: Yeah, it, it does take a while to process. I mean, six months after the workshop, you'll be sitting there doing something, you'll go, oh, shit. that's what's meant, you know, and that's okay, um, it, it, because that's part of the learning process. One way you learn is to fail at something, and, um, you know, and fail is a hard, is a weird word, though. It's not really the right word yes. to just, what's a better word? Well, it's more like be challenged and you know, yeah. maybe fall Challenge. down, skin your knee,
3: get back up. Right. You know? Yeah. I don't think exactly. there's really any failure. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That's it's, a it's, wrong
5: choice of words. It's, but- it's a
3: learning experience, you know, and I, yeah, what, and no matter what happens, you're going to come away with a lot.
2: And people Absolutely. really learn to pivot, I think, too, yeah. you know, if they're struggling and they're sort of hitting their head against the wall and then they suddenly, you know, in collaboration with their team leaders and with their um, peers, they find different ways, you know, of moving forward. And I think that can be really valuable, too.
5: Yeah, the problem solving aspect of it is really mm-hmm. important. Yeah. Right.
4: I think it also in this day and age of uh, virtual uh, have a chance to have people hands-on, give you really strong critiques and direction, mm-hmm. feedback, um, and just a community to, to, that can, in a safe space, you can help. Mm-hmm. Uh, at yeah. That.
1: yeah, I'll say as a former student, uh, myself, Mary included, who else was a student here, Keely? Where, do we have uh, any other students, just Mary and myself? <laughs> um yeah that's that's what i got out of the most um from the workshop itself was you know the portfolio reviews right you get the speakers and you're in awe and you're 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 trying to you know capture all this and take notes which by the way Side note: Everybody, start taking notes. <laughs> you take notes right. so that you can reflect on this stuff later on because you know it's intense. It's sleep deprived. You're so much adrenaline running. You're <laughs> you're standing next to James Knockway, or you're standing. You're teamed on a team with Youngi Kim. You have these people that you're just sitting across from. That you're like, oh my god, I can't even believe I'm here, right? So. Uh, but the portfolio reviews—that one-on-one sit-down feedback of going over your portfolios—is uh, is so essential. That's where you really get some critical advice on on your work and what you want to communicate and go forward with. So um, that's what this is all about, right? So this webinar tonight is essentially that. Um, here's a workshop, and uh, and we want to talk about building that portfolio uh, to to help to help get you in, right? Or to uh, either for this, or if you've already been and you're a former student, you're building a portfolio for, you know, your next bit of work or your next workshop or your next, you know, awards that you're submitting for. So that's what we're going to talk about uh, here tonight. Mm -hmm. Uh, And let's get into that. So um, as it pertains to uh, the portfolio itself, um, what are the most important elements of building a portfolio? and what should it communicate? And I'm going to start in reverse here and start with uh, Sarah. Um, so what are the most important elements of building a portfolio and what should it communicate?
3: Um, I'd like to just quickly differentiate between the uh, submission uh, portfolio for to attend the workshop and then the in-person uh, portfolio reviews, if you're doing a portfolio review. So in terms of the submission, um, Well, you definitely want to put your best foot forward. Uh, You know, there's a lot, like hundreds of applications and the committee that goes through them, you know, probably is going fairly quickly at first. So how do you grab their eyes um, to get them to slow down and really want to look at your work? I would say, think about you know, who, who are you as a photographer and who do you wanna be? And it trying to express that in your work. Like what, what are your passions? What are you interested in? And, um, you know, that would could, could be your portfolio or ought to express who you are. Um, and in terms of sitting down with somebody, that still applies. But if you're sitting down for a portfolio review, then uh, what do you wanna get out of that review? What do you wanna get out? What do you wanna walk away with from that person? Is it, you're looking for an assignment? Are you just looking for feedback on a project? Are you, you know, what kind of, what's your goal for sitting down with somebody and showing them your work? I think it's
4: important that you you show your, your what is your passion and what is your purpose for wanting to be a photojournalist? I like to be able to see an assessment of, um, of course, it's practical skill level, you know, just so you actually have a, a ground floor of where your skills are at. And then I would want to see where, where your interests lie and how you, uh, is there a story or stories that you're most interested in doing? And uh, i like to see some sort of something that shows your personality and mm-hmm. that you don't have just X, you're not marked, checking off a box. I have X amount of photos of this, that, and the other. So, mm-hmm. uh, and also just a, the the, the, what are your strengths or weaknesses in storytelling? Have you had a grasp of what that means to you? How do you visually tell a story? Elizabeth?
2: I, for me, the number one thing is do not include any weak images. <laughs> Just do not put in a single weak image. And I know sometimes it's hard to judge that, but I just, you know, I gravitate towards stories, and I love seeing like one or two stories within, you know, the um, total. I think the maximum is twenty. It's like twelve to twenty images is what's specified in the entry uh, instructions. But um, I like seeing because of, you know, my background at National Geographic. I like, I like, do like seeing sort of a narrative arc. But do not put in any filler. I mean, this is a case in which, as Sarah said, you're going through things so quickly and you just do not want to see even one weak image. Um, And I don't mind, you know, if you have maybe, uh, I don't know, eight images from one story and then 12 from another, that's great. But even if you just have one story and you have like five images from the story or, you know, 12 images from that story and then the rest are all singles, that's fine. Just don't put any weak images. That's really just my... Uh, my
5: top advice,
2: I would say,
1: bring your A game and marry.
5: Yeah. you know, one thing I notice is that um, none of us expect the students to be experts. I mean, you're at this workshop because you're not necessarily an expert. You know, you don't have a whole lot of experience, and so um, try not to get too bogged down with trying to impress people. Just show your pictures to a bunch of people you trust and even though you might get you know 18 different answers about a picture you're also going to start to see um you know just you're going to start to see people having similar thoughts about say a particular picture that you might be really really emotionally involved with but we can't see that if it's not a good picture so that's why you have to be really really strict with yourself Don't just pad your portfolio because you feel like you have to have 20 images Mm -hmm. don't pad a story so that you have to have 10 you can have 10 images, you know show us the the five best pictures from a couple of stories and then some single pictures, maybe a portrait or two. Um, And you know figure out best way to to uh, have the flow, you know the flow of the pictures uh, makes a lot of difference and. um, you know it sometimes it takes a while but you know we're here tonight to kind of um you know demystify a lot of that stuff and um you know just realize you're in the same boat as a hundred other people who are going to get a a slot in this workshop Mm
3: -hmm. so
5: um you have to have faith in yourself i think you know have some confidence
3: Um, I I agree with Elizabeth, Um, you know, in terms of I really like to see uh, projects or stories more than single images. I think um, for me, that really tells me a bit more about the photographer and where you're going to be getting an assignment if you are at the workshop, which is basically telling a story. So Mm -hmm. it's nice to kind of see where the level of where the person is in terms of their ability to tell a story so I really love seeing um people's stories and you know I don't mind a portfolio if it's 20 images all in the same story if they're wonderful you know Mm -hmm. so or it could be a couple of stories um I think single images can come out of stories you know and just uh, for me seeing single images is uh that's a little harder for me to tell how you think and how you work if I saw lots of single images not that you can't have them but um, just kind of my preference well, what do yes. you do
1: if you're if you're a portrait photographer right and uh, you're wanting to submit for the workshop um, because we we welcome everybody we yeah welcome all well, well it could As be background. a series so, you know, of
3: portraits on on a certain thing you know like you might just be doing a a series of portraits on, um, you know, about aging and elderly people or something or, or, or children or it depends. So it kind of still has a certain cohesiveness. It's like more of an essay than a classic sort of beginning, middle end, and, you know, uh, narrative. So I think, yeah, I'd love to see a series of portraits. You know, it's great can I add
2: one or two just completely kind of nuts and bolts things too it's like you know on the application there's a place for a project title and normally you know you like to put in something really you know inspiring like looking to the future or something but I find it really helpful when we're looking at this if you put in something a little more literal like you know like I remember there's a student um had an ICP named Rashni uh, Khatri and she had a project about women construction workers and just just for this purpose, because we're going so fast, it would help to put in something like that, <laughs> you know, to put in like uh, shepherds in the Andes or something you know so I know immediately. Descriptive. Yeah, something descriptive and I realize it's hard if you have more than one story but, um, but I just find that helpful. And also, I don't know if everybody else thinks this is cheating, but you know, because there's no place for a project description, but one or two people um, in past years, at the top of their CV, they have put a like just two or three lines of description about what they were submitting. I found that really helpful. Again, maybe it's not kosher, but I just thought I would mention that. And then the third thing I would just say uh, quickly is that there's a personal statement and then your images. It would be also great um, if there's, it's if they're kind of in sync, you know. If like your images don't completely contradict your personal statement, you know. If you, like you say <laughs> one thing in your personal statement about how you're really attracted to like bonding with people, and then you put in all the landscapes that have no people, you know, it just helps <laughs> if it's not completely, you know, at odds. That's so I'll just mention that. <laughs>
1: Fabulous advice. And uh, we do have uh, Sarah and Elizabeth have both been uh, judges in prior years of portfolios coming into the workshop. So um, that sage advice, you know, going forward uh, to whoever is going to be judging in the future, Uh, little little tidbits there on the application process to kind of provide some connective tissue and some of your stories so the judges know exactly what they're looking at. So, thanks for that uh, little behind the scenes, elizabeth uh, for for anybody that's looking forward uh, to submitting a story. Um, now, ladies, have you uh i've got a I've got a more personal question and I'd like you to tell us a little bit of a story. Um, but we'd like to hear about your first portfolio review. And uh, I'm gonna start with you, Achille, What was your first portfolio review like?
4: You're muted. Sorry about that. As a participant or as a reviewer?
1: Let's do. Let's start as. Let's go as a participant, so we can get that perspective.
4: Well, I never came through the Eddie Adams program, but uh, I remember my first uh, portfolio review for an internship, mm-hmm. and uh, it it was very uh, a stoic situation. I uh, editor from the LA Times called me up. They had a slot. They hadn't filled yet, and um, called me up and asked to see my portfolio. And I had to rush, I had one put together from from class and he really didn't give me any feedback. He just kind of, this is black and white prints on a board days. And uh, looked at one point says, um, who printed your work? I said, I print my own. He says, oh, okay, can you start Monday? (laughs) That that was
3: my first portfolio. Well, that worked. (laughs) Uh, yeah
1: (laughs) Yeah. is there anybody here that's had that success (laughs) in in their first portfolio review (laughs) (laughs) tell us about it Mary
5: (laughs) oh well let's see um my, my first portfolio review here I am um I don't remember how young I was but I decided because I was living in Arlington Virginia so I had all these you know big editors in town and I I don't know where I got the courage for this, but I called up National Geographic and I talked to Bob Gilka. And if you don't know who Bob Gilka is, you guys look (laughs) him up. And I went over to Geographic with my portfolio and it was a book and it had, oh, my God, it had prints of different sizes. And then it had a couple of boards kind of slid into the pages. And um, I sat down and, and. you know, he was, he was actually, he was, he was pretty nice. He did say, your photojournalism is very weak, but he also gave me encouragement. He says, um, you ought to go to this. He mentioned the, um, the workshop at University of Missouri. So even though, you know, he was straight with me, he also had something to offer me. Um, and then another a uh, memorable portfolio review was when I went to, uh, I was a student at San Francisco State University and a um, a photographer from a paper in the Bay Area came in to look at our stuff. And uh, all of us were sitting around and he opened, he looked it started looking, we were, it was slides then. He ripped me, he ripped me in half. and in front of all of my friends and I was just mortified and um, he didn't like how I had typed out my resume. It was just went on and on. And it was it was kind of traumatic, but, and of course my young brain, I was thinking, oh, what's wrong with him? Instead of maybe you ought to look at your pictures and be honest and you know, try something, just shoot it a little differently or or try something new so you, you just have to. Uh, realize that you know you might have a couple of real real tough ones, but if if you're willing to to stop being a photographer because of a bad portfolio review. You probably should not be in this line of work hmm. because it, it's tough out there so. Um, And then I had some better portfolio reviews as the years went on. But, you you know, we won't talk about those tonight.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Elizabeth, tell us about your first time.
2: Well, I am so old that I have absolutely no recollection of what my first review was. Uh, It may have been at Eddie Adams, actually, although I didn't come to the, the workshop until maybe, I don't know actually, I, I shouldn't even guess. It's It's been a long time, but maybe 2006 or something. I don't remember. But um, it could have been. But I do remember it took me a long time, like maybe five or six different experiences before I realized that it did absolutely nobody any good if I was just really polite, you know, if I just kept talking about how great everything was, because, you know, there's always something interesting or worthwhile in anybody's work. but. I realized at one point that I, it was just wasting their time and wasting my time if I wasn't really honest with them about what how I felt they could improve. And that was a big lesson that I took away. So but it took me a while. Yeah, I can,
1: I can tell you that uh, my first portfolio review was done by Mary Calvert. So kind of full circle here uh, as we sit here uh, for a Department of Defense workshop. Uh, that she for many years um, has volunteered her time to. And I remember sitting there scared as hell with my book sitting in front of her. And the two most important things that came out of that conversation was she said, um, you got to choose what you want your voice to be. And, Mm -hmm. um, and that was huge for me, because I had brought her a portfolio mixed with some military stuff and some modeling stuff and some other things and she said you have a talent here you got to choose how you are going to use it and how you're going to use your voice and are you going to use it for good you know or are are you just going to use it to show people pretty images and the second thing that she told me that stood out and I tell this story at uh, EAW every year that we're there together is uh, she told me to stop you know shooting what it looks like and start shooting what it feels like so that's the the biggest advice that I've carried throughout my career is that last line right there, stop uh-huh. shooting what it looks like, start shooting what it feels like. Uh, are there any line sage advice that you've been given a little behind the scenes here for each of you that uh, something that sticks with you? Um, Akili, do you have something that, a line that sticks with you that you've been given by a mentor?
4: Yes, it's like it, almost along the same lines is if, if you're not feeling the image, how do you expect your audience to feel? So if you're not connecting with your images, you cannot connect with a, your readers audience. So mm-hmm. I always get that in mind. Sarah.
3: um, I can't really think of any, I mean, I can think of good lines, but maybe not somebody that somebody told me, I can't remember, but yeah, I, uh, what, what, uh Mary said to you is so important and what Achille is saying is like the, an, a, the echo of of it amplifies that you know I always like to say uh I uh, when I'm looking at a photographer's work I I can feel what they're feeling if if the image is really working you know and that's What you want is for somebody to look at your work and feel something. Um, And I think that is so important because if you're just standing around taking pictures and you're kind of bored and it's not really working well, I'm going to feel that way. You know, I'm going to feel sort of bored looking at your pictures too. So, you know, finding those moments where you're really engaged and you think you're standing there and you're taking this picture and you're thinking, I can't believe how lucky I am to be in this moment you know, then I'm going to, I'm going to feel it too. Elizabeth?
2: I guess, you know, what I would say, and I honestly don't remember who told me this might have been Alice Rose George or Michelle McNally, you know, they were both bosses of mine at different times, but um, there's that feeling of no matter what project you're working on or what kind of job you have you really hope it's something that you're excited about when you wake up in the morning, (laughs) something that makes you want to get out of bed and actually go do something, you know? Um, A lot of times, there have been times when I've been very tempted to accept certain jobs or projects because they sounded really good or prestigious or impressive. And the truth is that, you know, day to day, when I wake up, you know, I just want to make sure it's something that I really want to be doing over the course of the day. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm.
1: so, Mary, you gave me that great advice. What was the advice that was given to you early in your career?
5: Um, you know, some of that early stuff i is fuzzy, but I saw uh, I saw Carolyn Cole speak years ago, and um, one thing she said really struck with struck me. And you know, she's a photojournalist, uh, does a lot of news, tells stories. And she said, my job is to make people care. And I, that really struck me and I thought, gosh, that really, that's my job. That's, it's, that's why we do, that's why I do this. And and I'm a photojournalist and I do a lot of long form stuff. And you know, it's really, it's, that really is my job is to make people care and to provide a mirror for society to examine itself. You know and um a lot of that's that sage advice you never know where you're going to get it sometimes it's from one of the per people you photographed and um actually i had a woman who i photographed who wrote me after it was published and she said and this was part of my military um sexual assault project and she said mary thank you for showing me that i wasn't present in my own life And I wasn't present in my children's lives and it was like Mm, you could have just knocked me over because you you know we're out there making these pictures and doing this stuff and sometimes you just have to stop and um and think about that think about the impact you have on the lives of the people you're photographing and so um That's probably one of the most important things, you know, making people care and then just realizing you have an impact and that. um, None of this stuff is about winning contests or, you know, getting into the workshop with the sexiest story out there it's about it's about the human condition and respecting that and. um, I mean as a photojournalist. It's not about me. It's about the people I'm photographing. It's about fidelity to my subjects, and it it took me a while to learn that. So, so that's probably some of the best advice, thought-provoking advice. advice I could get. I-
3: I, ahead, actually, I actually thought of something and it was from Eddie Adams. Um, way back when I was in, in journalism school, I went to the University of Missouri and uh, the we had the Southern Short Course, which is like the Northern Short Course, but Southern. And um, I went to uh, one of them in Kansas City and Eddie was uh, one of the speakers and he uh showed all of his work and talked about his work and you know we knew of him uh and so we're just in awe our students sitting there and the one thing he said toward the end was you know about being a photojournalist having the life of a photojournalist or a life of a photographer he said you have to ask yourself how bad do you want this and I thought that really rang a bell for me because it was kind of laying it out there. It's not that easy of a life. Uh, you may not be home for Christmas, you know, if you have, if you're working, there's all, there's all kinds of um, choices that are, you make as a, as a full-time photographer, especially as a photojournalist um, that art can be difficult. And, and uh, that, that. I just, that really resonated with me. My, like my whole career as a photographer, how bad do I want this?
1: No, that makes sense. Um, we talk. We've been talking a lot about you know the photojournalism aspect of photography, and as it pertains to you know the workshop and some of your backgrounds and everything else. Uh, Greg Heisler, our friend Greg, is in the uh, is in here and asked a question. Um, <laughs> but if you're not a photojournalistic storyteller per se, I've seen many terrific photographers at EAW who didn't fit into the category, but work. Editorially, Dan Winters from EAW number one, who was a classmate of Heisler's at EAW number one, uh, is a perfect example. Um, so can you talk about you know, being, not necessarily being, I think we're not being a photojournalist or a narrative storyteller per se, but even though you can tell a narrative story through, through portraits um, or say an aerial photographer, we've got a question here. What if I'm an aerial photographer? How do I make myself stand out um, and how do I build a portfolio around that?
3: Well, like that I, I think that, um, you know, you can still be a project photographer, right? As opposed to, so like the aerial is a good example. And as, as opposed to like, okay, you submit 20 um, of your most beautiful aerials from uh, that are just here and there and everywhere. Well, what if you, you know, are doing something where you're looking at, uh desert landscapes or and you're and it's about drought i mean it can still be about something mm-hmm. no matter what form it takes so you could have you know 10 pictures that are all about like drought in the southwest or something and they're all aerials so it's not so much the form it's the intention I think, like you could, you know, Dan Winter is a perfect example. um, Space. He's totally into space and space photography. You know, so he's he's building and in his own style and in his own way, he's building. You know, a body of work about you know space and and in the space industry. So, I think it's more about that. It's like the intention of the work. The, um, uh, uh, you know what are you trying to say with these pictures? And it can be in any form.
2: I also feel if there's any way to avoid just replicating what you've seen a million times before, you know, if there are, you know, very familiar sort of coverages, no matter what your discipline is, I'm just not as interested in looking at it because I feel like, you know, you're not bringing me anything new. But if you have about it and have come to it with some kind of innovative, you know, either playfulness or just a different way of approaching things, that to me is very, you know, exciting and very
4: valuable. I'd like to jump on that thought too. I, I, I think even if you're not, say, going for photojournalism per se, but portrait, advertising, fashion, you're still telling the story, you mm-hmm. know, Mm-hmm. and and there's no new story really out there. The thing is, is, is your perspective, at, at allowing people to see a different aspect of something they've seen every day before, whether it is fashion. How many times we've, you know, there's a million different fashion covers or portrait covers, and, but you're still telling a story about whether it's the clothing, the model, the, the product. You are, have to convey something to the audience. So your ability to do that should be reflected in the work you choose to do with your photography and bring your your perspective to allow people to see it in a way they may not have seen something before
5: yeah you know um i think about the you know the, all the different types of photographers out there the portrait photographers the sports photographers the um the you know long form project photographers and then and then the newspaper photographer who's working on some little paper somewhere who is the only photographer and has to do everything and i think all of those people have a place at the eddie adams workshop because Mm -hmm. when you go to a workshop i mean you're not going to the workshop to keep shooting everything the way you always shoot it are you Mm -hmm. you know because you could be a portrait photographer and you could be put on a team with somebody who's like with al bello who's going to do their team work is going to be all about sports you know but Mm -hmm. but that experience is valuable or if you're you know uh, i don't know a, a, a another portrait photographer who never does anything that isn't isn't staged and lit and posed and if you're in a group where you have to start learning how to make moment pictures and tell stories all of that is going to be extremely valuable to everything you photograph no matter what it is and so um, you know get into the workshop with a good portfolio don't be afraid of you know what kind of a photographer you are because the i think um you know sarah and and achille and elizabeth they want to see how you're thinking You know, they want to they want to see something different, they want to see something fresh and something that grabs their eye, you know, out of the sea of of, uh, you know, the stories that you see a lot of young photographers shoot over and over and over Mm -hmm. and so. um, You know, there's a place for all of you at the workshop.
2: But I Uh, love what you said. Oh, sorry. I love what you said, Mary, about how you don't come to the workshop just assuming that you're going to leave just, you know, photographing exactly the same way as when you came in. What's the point of that, right? right, So, I mean, you know, be prepared be very open and be prepared, not as you were saying before, you know, to face these challenges and to realize that you're going to have to sort of be just um, open enough, you know, to change your way of thinking or to just learn from everyone around you.
3: Yeah, I think it's an opportunity to stretch and grow and try something different for yourself. And also uh, uh, in terms of also submissions, um, and I was kind of looking at the cheating, I was looking at the chat, but uh, the, I, I love personal stories. You know, uh, you don't have to go halfway around the world to do a good project, right? In your own backyard, um, a lot of some really fine work that we've seen uh, submitted and is, is a very personal work and you know can be your family even it's just it's like don't don't think that it has to be something sort of maybe exotic uh it's like i i I love seeing people's personal very personal work that's close to home
1: yeah speaking of the chat uh we've got another question that came through um there are a lot of uh, questions mentioning having uh, about talking about stories for the portfolio submission. What is the advice if I am doing a, um, news mainly where I'm mostly shooting single images? Um, so what do you, what advice can you give on somebody that is not submitting that story element? I think we kind of covered that a little bit just recently with talking about no matter what facet or discipline of photography you come from, um, you, you kind of want to make your usual look unusual, right? To stand out. Um, but... Uh, what advice do you give to somebody that's working at a small paper that's just shooting, you know, those single features uh, out there uh, on putting together a portfolio.
5: Let's start with Mary. Well, you know, when when I was a newspaper photographer um, and I would go to an event or go to an assignment, I would always try to kind of, you know, shoot it in the way like I was shooting a little mini picture story.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and.
5: And that's really valuable if you work for a newspaper, the editors, the art director will love you. You know, Mm -hmm. the graphic designers will love you if you come back with work like that. And, um, you know, very often do you really go out and shoot just one single picture, you know, Mm -hmm. in one way at one assignment. So I think maybe it's a matter of, of digging in your own stuff to see what goes together and also, I mean, the deadline is what the thirty first. It doesn't mean you can't just go out and you know shoot yourself a little mini picture story this week. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if you only have single images, maybe you just push yourself um, to have something.
2: I think the story. deadline is May thirty first, right? Yeah, so, they- May. Oh, May yeah. so they
5: have time. You've got plenty, plenty of time. time. <laughs> you don't have a picture story now. You can.
3: Yes, I think also like what you're saying exactly is like when I was shooting at the newspaper and I'd get an assignment, everything kind of became that mini little mini story I would photograph. So that when when the when they were editing it for the paper, there was options. Right, you, know, you give them lots of options. So if you maybe look back, maybe you were shooting more things, you know, at the football game than just game action, you know. But I also be thinking about like what. Of, of all those daily assignments that you're doing, what are the ones that you just love the most that you, like I didn't like going to do sh- shoot sports. So, you know, but there's a lot of other of those assignments that were f- just for a few hours or something that I did love. And that's what I could build on and start to create a portfolio.
2: You know, also, if you're submitting a series of images from one story, unless you're do- deliberately doing something in which every image is the same, you know, like you have a series of portraits that are framed with exactly the same proportions, you know, the person within the frame or whatever. I tend to really like to see a lot of variations in terms of scale, like I'd love to see something really pulled back, like a landscape that's an overview, I like to see something that's more medium with a lot of action, and and then I like to see, you know, one or two details with some close-ups of really amazing, you know, sort of graphic details, but, you know, of course, only if that works for the topic that you're covering, But, Mm -hmm. but in a story, sometimes I feel like that really helps keep me awake if I'm looking at a series of things, if there's a big change up from frame to frame when you're sequencing so that it's not all just kind of the same and i glaze over and
4: start to lose the thread a little bit but.
1: visual uh, rhythm visual variety
4: right yeah right. i spent the majority of my career in, in newspapers and uh daily photo essays was is is a great training ground i mm-hmm. mean there's there's no uh there's many times you could just a daily event you can bring out three good pictures to put together a little small picture picture package mm-hmm. and then the were saved for the longer pieces so being a, a photographer with small paper really gives you a lot of opportunities uh-huh. uh, slow uh, slow yourself down a little bit you know take yourself uh-huh. time uh even if the paper may requ- uh, require just one photo from the event you could build a story from that for uh-huh. yourself uh, uh-huh. i always tell photographers and i tell myself i to do it for myself shoot something for what they've asked for and then shoot something for myself
3: Mm-hmm. And,
4: and you and and nine times out of ten, when I shop for myself, they end up liking more than what they asked for, anyways. And, and and likewise with the photographers I've worked with, they well, Akili, you told me you wanted this, but I I did it this way, and I I, I said, oh, okay, yeah, this looks great, and, and make something out of it. So yeah, she was initiative. Mm-hmm. And
5: one thing I wanted to add too is, you know, a lot of young photographers get really. um, They get stuck on wanting a story because everybody thinks it's got to be some massive heavy duty issue, crazy wild news war story or something like that. But sometimes it's just a sweet little story. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to go out and do something heavy duty, you can just, you know, a sweet little story, a story about a family or a story about the old man who works at the diner or you know, the the woman who's taking care of her mother. I mean, sometimes it's just the simplest thing that's right in front of you mm-hmm. um, that you can really make pictures and show the editors how you're thinking and what kind of photographer you are.
4: I remember the very first picture story I actually did for when I was in school. Uh, there was a guy who used to sell peanuts, a little peanut cart. I used to pass going to school all the time on my way. And finally one day I said, let me sit down and just do a little story on him and call, just call him the peanut man. And I it, it's still one of my favorite little stories I've ever done. Just he had one of those faces with those craggly faces that looked like a lifetime of stuff. His hands were wonderful and this is all black and white. And how he string the bags of the peanuts up. And that was my very first I said, oh, and that was just
5: something I did
4: in a couple of hours, you know, and it was it was nice.
5: Right. You think about how many how many photographers out there, how many of the people who are on this this um webinar have passed that their version of the peanut Guy, you know, yeah. every day. <laughs> and it's maybe it's time to stop and just look around at where you are and say, well, there are stories everywhere,, everywhere.
2: Yeah. but I will say that if you're taking some very intimate, kind of subject like that, just make sure that it still gives you a way to create images that are just not as expected, you know, not kind of just mapping out exactly the kind of things that anybody else might put together from a story. It doesn't hurt to stack the deck in your favor by finding some uh, topic or subject that's, you know, has some built-in visual juice to it, you know, if it makes life a little easier for yourself. But
5: Right. And Akili just just described it, you know, she found a guy who has a great face, which, you know, you get the guy with the great face, you're already halfway up the ladder, you know. Um, And then you just run with it.
1: That is that is great advice uh, all around. Um, Ali, Hester, I hope that uh, we help to solve, uh, you know, uh, or answer your questions uh, on that. And uh, Maxim, we've got a question from you, and this is one that comes up all the time when talking about portfolios. And uh, we you've, you've heard this one before: the the black and white versus color versus mixed black and white and color. So, uh, Sarah, you smiled right off the bat. So I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna come to you. Uh, what are your feelings on an all black and white portfolio? What are your feelings on a mixed portfolio? What what are your feelings?
3: Well, I love it all. I mean, I love black and white. We've seen plenty of amazing black and white uh, portfolios submitted. And uh, no problem for me, black and white or color, whatever. You know, sort of what's what's the best way to tell the story? Um, and then, you know, is, is that the photographer you want to be? Um, mixing for me, it's like uh, sometimes a little more challenging. I like it to be very intentional. Like it's color for a reason. You know if you if most of it's black and white, it's you know like you got this whole black and white project, and then there's one color picture, like kind of randomly in there that like really bothers me. But if half of that project is color because of a very particular reason, then I'm more then I kind of can get it, but I don't like it just to be super randomly thrown, yeah, in like one, if all the black. Item.
2: If all the portraits are like in color exactly. or something, and, and all the rest everything it. else exactly. some rationale. Yeah, some rationale.
5: And also a thing about black and white, if you have a mediocre color picture, it's not going to look better in black and white.
3: <laughs> people have tried that, right? I know,
5: people try that all <laughs> the time. Yeah, yeah. So...
1: Hitting that, what what are some of the mistakes that you see when building a portfolio? Um, talking about that in general, but uh, what are some of those mistakes that you do see? We'll start with Elizabeth, because you hit us with one early. Don't, no weak, don't bring any weak game to the portfolio review. Uh, what else do you got for us, Elizabeth?
2: I don't know that anything else comes to mind. Maybe start with somebody else first. I'll try to think about that.
1: Sounds but- good. Achille. so uh, what are some of the mistakes you see when you're looking at uh, overbooks?
4: I would go with the the weak photo. Just look the filler. Uh, that's something that bugs me too. You you think you have to have uh, I need to have oh a number of these kind of photos, then these kind of photos, and these kind of photos. You're trying to, but it's all over the place. So I'd rather have like one really well done story, or a series of images that stand out, than a bunch that are just it takes away from the impact of, what, of your vision. It doesn't tell me what, what you're trying to do. Um, also just um, neatness of, pr- uh, your presentation really does make a difference. How you sequence, how you're presenting your portfolio, you know, is it thematic? Even if, if you have a couple of different stories or you have stories in single images, how you present them also gives me an insight how you're thinking uh how you how you kind of self-edit basically
5: and could i say something about the weak picture thing i like to use the uh the peanut butter i'm sorry the 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 um peanut m m analogy it's like if you get a bag of peanut m ms and each one is just fresh and delicious the the nut is fresh the chocolate is smooth and creamy but then there's one in there the, where the penis c- gone kind of a little bit um like bitter you know and that's the one you're going to remember out of that whole bag and it's the same thing <laughs> with a stinker of a picture in the in a sea of better pictures
3: i'm going to remember that analogy that's a good <laughs> one i am i may have to use that that's like, yeah, it's like eminem's the same
5: be my guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah i
3: think that yeah I, uh, uh, It's not a bad idea to like show what you're going to submit to somebody else before you submit it, like put it, put it together. And then if you have other friends who are photographers or, or you have like, if you're at school or you have people whose judgment or vision you trust, just put it in front of them and don't say anything. Don't try to explain it. Just have them go through it because that's. Sub- that, especially that's the submission process you're not there to explain it so just see if they kind of get it you know and it, and and ask them uh, is there something in there that you maybe is weak or isn't resonating that you maybe should take out get some feedback because you know having community and getting feedback is so important to your development and to creating a good uh, a, and a good entry or good a good portfolio so find those people and use them
2: so this isn't exactly what you asked benny but there is one thing that i will say which i started to say earlier um when we were just getting into this but if you have how should i put it if you have a lot of sort of scattered kind of work but you're starting uh to just now to really get into producing work for some very in-depth kind of long-form project and you think it is really going to kind of mature and ripen so that it might be much stronger next year maybe you want to wait a year you know if if you don't have like one really strong body of work or you don't have enough you know like I don't know 15 17 images that you're really confident of and you still are going to be eligible to apply next year you might consider holding off because I think you you also may benefit more you know when you're more mature and you're more ready um, to you know operate under those kinds of conditions too because it is a lot of pressure to turn out a story in four days so, so that's kind of a sideways way of no, answering that, that question. That's great
1: advice. I, I would okay. say uh, you hit on something there too that I uh, want to talk about. I mean, a, a lot of us that have submitted or people that, you know, do submit, they have, uh, they might've not gotten in the first or second time. What is your advice on folks that have applied for EAW? And um, and we've talked about ways to stand out, but what advice do you give them on if they didn't make it for the first, you know, first year or so? And um, I think it's. Uh, For the uh, there's no, of course, limit, but there's uh, um, six years or less coming out, I think, is what uh, what generally the uh, the time frame that we're looking for. So you've got uh, you've got those those six years. What advice do you give to those folks that have that have tried and maybe not got in the first time? Don't
3: give up. Yeah, never give up. Never give up. Never give up you might in the next year you might have a different uh portfolio or a different body of work and uh, if you're really working hard you'll you're going to definitely be getting better every year um and maybe you'll find some people who can help you look at your work and organize it help you organize your submission so yeah don't give up because i there are people who the third time or the fourth time they got in so um yeah it's it's worth keep trying keep trying
1: Yeah. And I I don't know if you go ahead, Mary. Sorry.
5: Oh, I was going to say, um, you know, if you want to, if you need inspiration, this is kind of contest season and a lot of, um, different places like POYS out BOPs out the WH white house news photographer association contests have been judged and you can go on those websites and you can see what a winning story looks like. You know or a winning sports picture a winning portrait and kind of start to look at other pictures from photographers who are farther along than you and and get inspiration from that work you know to say okay these judges really liked this story you know um and then start to look at your own work and be honest and say you know my work is i my mother loves my work but (laughs) you know, your mother's not going to be on the judging panel. um,
2: uh, As far as you know,
5: (laughs) know. and so you have to be honest with yourself and look at it and say, you know, I really, none of the pictures in this particular story have any moments in them. There's no peak action. There's no great light. And this winning story over here has all of those things. So, you know, it, I think it's a, a good way to learn, If you don't really know what a good picture story is, that's a good way to start to kind of do your research and then apply it to your own work. And I'm not saying go out and shoot the same thing everybody else is doing I'm just thinking about, you know, just different approaches and, um, you know, get inspiration from it.
1: That's good it's uh, that makes sense right go out and start looking at things and then deconstruct them right, you know, um, how do they get to that point. Uh, the sage advice, I will say, you know, too, um, with the workshop and with workshops, a lot of times when they're looking, the judges are looking in, at your stuff is based off the potential of what you can be, right? We're um, looking at your body of work and where this particular workshop may help you to the next level. So you don't have to submit a portfolio of award-winning images. As we've heard, submit your best work, no, no, sorry, MMs, but uh, <laughs> submit your best work and put that foot forward. Now, mm-hmm. Sarah, you kind of—I thought you had my notes there for a second because you went right <laughs> into where I want to go into next and talking about the process, right? So, how does one go about the process? Say you're you're you've got your work, you you want to get your work seen. Um, who should you or how should you reach out to individuals, maybe outside of your classroom, uh, if you're in school or uh-huh. university, uh-huh. or at the at the newspaper? Wherever you are, where do you go to first to get those different perspectives on your work? And then what's the process of funneling that down and putting it together?
3: Well, in terms of the process, is, um, you know, and 20 is a lot. So, you know, be great if you have 20 amazing photos, but you don't have to. So let's say you have like two little projects, maybe they're going to be 10 pictures each. Um, So you, want to find those images that help express and communicate what this is about right so it could be that you you make a sequence and i think it can be good practice to say if you were going to tell me what this is about photo by photo by photo by photo just act like you're sh- doing a little slideshow for somebody and you're going to tell them what this is about you know you know uh this story is about lobster fishing in in Maine and the, all the challenges the lobster f- moon are having and it's i start here with this photo and here are my characters and here's what that it happens and here's how it here's their problems and here's how their solutions and here's the end right so it's like a little arc it's like a mini movie you know, with this little story arc. And that can be one way to help you uh, figure out a sequence. Um, in terms of finding people, well, there's a lot of portfolio reviews out there that, that you can do. There's They're happening like all the time, all over the place. So you might have to do a little research and find ones. And it's okay to go to a portfolio review and say, hey, I've never done one before. You're my first person you know, and then we've set the bar, we know what what you're going to talk about, but having that goal um, and let the person know what your goal is, you know, I'm looking to publish this, I, I, I've i never done this before, I want feedback, what, whatever it is, but I think finding people, if you're in school, in a program, you've got lots of people, you've got teachers, you've got fellow students, um, a, I think you have to, you're going to have to do a little research, if you're a little isolated, you know, then probably a little research to find out situation photo festivals. They always have portfolio reviews. So there's a lot going on out there. Northern Short Course, which just happened, they were doing them. Um, Elizabeth was talking about uh, New York Times is coming right up this weekend. Uh, they have applications that start, you know, months ago, but they're out there.
2: And just keep in mind for future years. Um, Catchlight is doing a visual summit at the end of April and they have portfolio reviews and it has closed for this year. But if you're on the West Coast, especially in the, uh, you know, in in the San Francisco area, that's something to keep in mind. It's free. Also, a lot of these are not free. Some of them are very expensive. And so you should just judge very carefully if the reviewers are people who it would be important to you to, you know, for them to see your work.
5: Mm-hmm. Also your your local NPPA chapter especially students. I was
1: chapter. going to her. Very good job. Man. And
5: if there isn't one maybe you can start to put one together with other like-minded individuals in your area. Um hmm. and also I mean you know just get together with your friends and kind of all put, put your you know put your portfolios together to um put it all together when you're all with each other, like a brainstorming session, that can be enormously powerful, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe even having a couple of people in there who are civilians and aren't photographers to say, what do you think?
3: Yes, exactly. So yeah, Mary, just steal my thunder a bit about. I'm it. sorry. Hey, go, <laughs> ahead, I was,
1: I was, waiting I to, I was kind of, I kind of serving <laughs> that up to you there, but uh, yeah, feel free. Tell us how MPPA yeah. can be assistance.
4: Well, uh, Mary said a part of it, and then we also have mentorship programs. And so, reach out to, um, to us. Uh, our website is down right now because we're literally in mid-transition of, of launching a new one. But uh, we do have a mentorship program that goes around all year round. Check in, uh, find out your local chapter. There's there's a regional rep for each segment of the country, and um, you know, find local people who are uh, whether they're local um, photographers, who you get, and community uh, clubs that you can get get into, and just see, you know, friends, other students, and uh, local paper picture editors. And just call up and ask, I need some help. You're available and, and go from there. And for
2: um, women and non-binary photographers, I really strongly recommend Women Photograph. Uh-huh. I mean, they have just wonderful programs and just, you know, you can find sort of your closest chapter too. It's just a terrific, I mean, you do have to apply, but uh, for the Workshops they're open to anybody and so I mean to the uh, any women or non binary photographers so you don't have to be a member, actually, so. Oh, and you know ICP is have but that's I guess that's just for their own students right so yeah they have reviews coming up.
1: Yeah, Anything that you can think of that be a valuable resource for the you know the close to 200 people that we have in here now. Uh, feel free to shout them out. Um, And then uh, for you guys, could you briefly, we didn't touch on this in in the very beginning, but can you explain the visual uh, thinking collective um, and just give an idea of what that is?
3: um it's just a small group of us elizabeth and i and two other women um we started a couple years ago and it's really it's more it's like a support group (laughs) for us but also we do some things together some we've done some things for photoville and uh we also um sometimes when we have can we offer some mentorships we've done some portfolio reviews and uh if we just go to the website and, you can, and we're, all of our events where we're appearing or workshops we're doing or something, um, will we'll be in the in the event section of the website. Well,
2: they should be, but well. some of us are not as dedicated as you are about putting them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so, and we worry. do get a lot of mentorship queries, but the truth is that we're almost all too busy really to do them on a regular basis, to be very honest.
1: I wanted to put that information out before your DMs were flooded, right? Thank uh, you. Thank you, Benny. (laughs) Uh, And Achille, too. I was, uh, we were talking earlier, uh, the monthly, you know, MPPA's monthly photo, uh, you know, contest and uh, the the different contests. I mean, if you want to see where your work stacks and, uh, you know, to see maybe if it's something that you should put forward, like that's a great way to to do it is uh, even through MPPA's monthly contest. Uh, We
4: have uh, student clip contests as well as the professional clip contest. And it it is a valuable tool. And like you say, calling your work and seeing how you're standing up to to your peers. But yeah, Mm
2: -hmm.
4: it's a good process for actually just going through your portfolio, too. You're looking for those images every month. Keeps you on top of it. Mm -hmm.
1: All right. Now we're going to get into uh, another topic altogether. And we've got a question from the field. What do you consider going too far when altering photos? And I, I don't. Altering is such a weird word because well, let's say this. What do you consider going too far with processing photos? Because altering all is is a negative connotation that you generally don't want to have. You know, it's not gonna it's not gonna play regardless. Um, depending upon if you were a photo illustrator or you know, and that is evident. But uh, what do you consider going too far as it pertains to to processing? Um, achille we'll start with you. MPPA has a, has guidelines that help with that, but uh, um, can you tell us a little bit about that?
4: Yeah, we do have MPPA code of ethics is pretty much standard in the industry right now. Basically, you don't alter, um, you can't alter a scene. Like You can't remove, dodge out, a, a, a pole sticking out of somebody's head. Uh, and uh, I mean, cropping, uh, basic toning is acceptable. You really don't want to change uh, from which the eye can really see what was there. I mean, there's some level of darkening skies a little bit, but not unrealistically. There is just a level of, um, you know, anything you would have done, say, pre-digital, like a little spotting here, if you have dust on your camera lens that shows up, that could be spotted out. That's not a big thing. But there's no altering of an image in any way. Is is For photojournalism is a no-no. But as as Benny says, if it's, it's for portrait, uh, magazine type portrait type of illustration is is allowed, uh, fashion, if it's non-news uh, and uh, journalistic storytelling, you can't make really major alterations. That is for a different field of photography.
0: hmm
3: yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree uh, uh, entirely. The NPPA's uh, code of ethics is a really good one to look at if you're if you're doing photojournalism and want to be a photojournalist. Um, at the Geographic, it was pretty much you know you cannot add or remove content, right? That's kind of the bottom line. It's you know if that poll's taken out of their head, we'll move to the left, right? It's like we're not going to uh, take it out later. Um, but if you are doing fine art photography or commercial photography or all kinds of others, you know, um, the it's wide open. It's just a totally different thing. It's just not journalism.
2: I just say it really depends on the context and who you're photographing for. If you're on an assignment, just make sure you check with whoever gave you that assignment basically.
1: Now, as it pertains to processing and you as, as judges, when you're seeing it, uh, the saturations are too high or this, or, what what do you, how does that affect the way that you feel about that photographer's work?
2: Oh, that's what I talked about last year, I remember. I I have a visceral kind of <laughs> a horrible reaction to anything that's really way, way oversaturated. and And of course, if it's done for artistic effect, I mean, if you're doing it specifically for some, you know, fine art kind of usage then great you know more power to you and I there are many pictures like that I really like that are psychedelic but but if you expect us to look at a scene that is supposed to be realistic and believable in the, like the real world and you've pushed the color so far and you oversaturated I have a really strong um like physiological reaction and I almost can't even look at it so sorry that's just me
3: yeah yeah I I I hear you when you see that really pumped up contrast and uh saturation and everything and it's kind of like it looks like a like so almost crispy you know um yeah that and it's supposed to be what it really like what it looked like yeah and it's that's that's I I don't really care for that either
5: I think you have to look at your pictures and say um you well actually let me rephrase that when when the the judges are looking at your portfolio. You don't want them sitting there talking about, do you think, doesn't that sky look too dark to you? Or, or <laughs> I don't know, was this manipulated or, you know, you, you just don't want them asking those questions. You don't want them looking at, like I would look at a black and white picture where the, the black is just so black, there's no, there's no detail in the shadows, there's no detail in the highlights. And to me, that's just a distraction. Mm-hmm. And you don't want the the people who are gonna be looking at the stuff to be distracted by that technique. kind of poor toning.
3: Yeah, technique. Don't want the technique to overwhelm the content right. and right. the emotional content of the photo. Mm-hmm.
4: In, in this day and time when uh, journalists are, are being questioned for, for our credibility, facts, truth-telling, that type of manipulation adds another layer of questioning what we do, what is is real, what is real. And we wanna be able to be storytellers. We don't have to be, we're not, you know, you wanna be able to hold a story up as real as possible that people can relate to. It's true. if this actually
3: happened
2: right i know with deep fakes and ai it's like why add more sort of reason for people to be skeptical you know
3: yeah it's it's so true we have to be more careful now than ever in terms of doing journalism but if you're a fine art photographer go crazy you know have fun like make it interesting you know um it's just a it's just a different world
1: I will touch on real quick. Uh, we've got a couple questions about defining, you know, the, the uh, application process. Uh, most of the um, the questions that we're getting can be found on our facts page on the Eddie Adams Workshop, uh, you know, website. But I will say that we define professional, um, you know, for submitting as somebody that makes at least fifty percent of their income off of, you know, photography. So that kind of clears that up there. Um, and then yeah, everything else that you can find, you know, inside of there. Um, I'm trying to look through a couple, of the, we just touched on it, but is color isolation effect acceptable? Um, in in most cases, no. Um, but uh, but what does yeah, that depending mean, on- Benny?
3: What is that?
1: Color, so selective color. So if you have a black and white image with a heart, that's right. right? right. So. But um, if it's
2: fine art, you know-
1: It's fine, fine. art and, and photo <laughs> illustration- That doesn't mean you know, it's right. That
2: <laughs> or, I mean, if there's a reason for it, it's different, but Yeah.
1: And yeah, and be. there's no age restrictions to apply for the workshop itself. Um, And then somebody asked, which I think is a very poignant question because, and I will say that we have had students and we have had actual um, team leaders and we've had speakers that have come in that have had changed their careers midlife to become photographers or to step in into this arena. So somebody had asked, is it worth trying to attend this workshop? Midway through whatever career I am doing, is this workshop that valuable? That is going to help me, you know, define what I want to do going forward and help make me that change in that, or help to me to make that change in life. Uh, Mary, what do you think? Is it is the workshop that valuable?
5: Well, I mean, I think, I think if you're looking at this workshop as a way that's gonna that the workshop is going to change your life, I think you have it sort of backwards in that it's like. Am I willing to take this workshop and really go there and push myself out of my comfort zone, push myself when I'm feeling shy to go up and say hi to Sarah Lean or Elizabeth Christ, um, to, to break myself totally out of my comfort zone and really go for it. And that, if you do that, then this workshop will be valuable to you. But it's really about, you know, we can have all the great editors, all the great photographers, really good food, beautiful place, all that stuff. But you have, still have to bring yourself and totally put yourself out there to make it successful for you. I mean, that's what I would say to a student.
3: Yeah, it's like, it's like what, are you, what are you looking for, right? And, and why do you want to take it? I mean, what do you think it's going to, it's going to do for you in your career at any age, let's say, you you know, you're retired from whatever job you had and now you're, and you've started taking photographs. What are your goals for yourself? Um, Is, is it just something personal and you just want to get better at taking pictures? You know, it's like, what, but with everything that we've told you and if you go to the website and you look at some of the work a lot of the work all the work is on there from the previous workshops you can just go team by team and watch the different slideshows so you can see what kind of work is produced and and then decide you know is this is this for you is this the right thing for you could be could totally be
2: but also keep in mind you know if you have been professional for more than six years you are not eligible to apply or you shouldn't waste your time applying because it's not intended for you this workshop so and and if you are you know um I should put it you know I don't know 40s 50s 60s whatever in your age but you haven't been professional that long um it could be you know, transforming for you, but it's kind of up to you, you know, it's like are the question is really, are you, you know, in a position where you want to benefit from something like this or prepared to put in the effort to benefit from this? So, and we kind of can't
4: answer that question for you.
1: (laughs) Achille, any insight on that?
4: I think it's, if someone uh, decides that late in life, this is something you want to pursue, there's no reason you can't. I think you 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 get out of, out of this workshop what you put into it,
0: mm-hmm.
4: essentially. And it might help for you define what it is you want to do with your photography. Mm-hmm. And if this is something that you really want to pursue. Uh, I, uh, when I was with the, AJC, the Atlanta Journal Constitution, there was actually a photographer on staff. She, she had been an administrative uh secretary uh minister of aid for the and she was in her early 50s when she decided she wanted to become a photographer staff photographer and she kept and she worked at it and she literally she became really one of the best photographers on staff until she retired so i don't think it's ever too late so but Mm -hmm. absolutely
1: no and i will say former student myself um transformative experience. I mean, the tribe that you find there, no matter if you, whatever realm of photography you are in, uh, you are going to find a a like tribe that you can bounce off of and you're going to have friends for the rest of your your career, rest of life and just in general, uh, for that matter. Uh, so it is that transformative. And again, the most important I've heard here, Keely, you, you hit it on the head, you're going to get out of this workshop, uh, what you put into it. Okay. Um, I hope today that we were able to, you know, help you guys with some, you know, nuggets of wisdom and some tidbits of behind the curtain secrets and everything else to help putting together a portfolio uh, to apply to the workshop and just put, putting together a portfolio and maintaining it in general. Um, you know, we uh, we kind of hit all over the place, uh, but uh, some valuable information here. And uh, and ladies, I can't thank you enough uh, for being here with us, uh, you know, for this webinar tonight. So um, thank you uh, for that. And then thank you to to everybody that uh, that tuned in. And I want to give a special thank you to to you know all the colleges and the and the schools that uh, have their folks watching or are using this as an assignment, if you will, because I heard that might be the case in some situations.
5: Um, <laughs> Is there going to be a-, a test? <laughs> there, there
1: is no test, but you can submit more questions about the workshop and about EAW to our social media. Right, so uh, hit us up in the DMs on Instagram. Um, our 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 social media manager Griff will will take care of you, and uh, we'll try to get your questions answered. Answered, you know, no matter where they're coming from. Um, I will say yes. Yeah, Miriam says thank you to everybody. You guys are an absolute dream team. Sarah, I see your I see your finger. What you got, Sarah?
3: One little question. Yep. Um, this got this was recorded. Yes. So, um, where do they find it if they want to share it with other people? Or
1: so, absolutely. Our folks, uh, Griff is going to, you know, uh, cut this up and present it and have it ready, and it's going to be available through uh, social media, and we'll get that stuff out. Okay. So, social media will be the place. So, follow us. I imagine everybody that's here is following us. Uh, I hope you are, um, you know, on our socials. But uh, yeah, hit us up, and the link will be provided. So, again, can't thank you enough. Uh, it was a blessing to spend this evening with you all, and I look forward to seeing you all in person uh, up at the farm. And for anybody that has questions, you know, feel free to 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 hit up our team at EAW. Uh, don't be sliding into all these DMs, but, you know, just uh, <laughs> feel free to reach out to us first, and then we can contact, you know, our folks here if, if there's anything specific that needs to be uh, answered. So. Uh, thank you so much, everyone. Uh, Thanks, you guys everybody. Go forward. Thank yes. you. Good, Good you. Good luck everything. I hope we all see you, every all 200 of you at the farm. So, <laughs> there you uh, go. Yeah. <laughs>
2: thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Hope this helps. Thank right. you. Thanks so Bye-bye, much. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.